Welcome to Dancing with Gravity, my podcast into the life of a juggler. My name is Cyril Rabat, I'm your host, and I'm French, sorry. I've been a professional juggler for the past 25 years, and this is episode number 16. And in this episode, I am talking with Brennan, Brennan Bowman. He's a swing dancer here in the Chicago area, and he's freaking amazing. And I've been a friend with him for a year or so because he's uh, uh, doing stagehand um, at a cabaret I'm doing downtown. And we got to know each other and he got to explain me a little bit of his world. And I just knew I needed to hear more. And so here he is talking about swing dancing and Balboa and other stuff that I had no idea about, but that are very interesting. And we're also drawing all the parallels between dancing, juggling, performing, and why we're doing that. So here is Brennan. Great. Thank you for coming, man. Oh, oh, we're going right now. Okay, yes. Hey, what's up? Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you. Because the other day we were in a bar and we were talking about life and dancing and performing and moving. And you had a few things to say about it that I never really quite thought about it that way. And I thought it was really cool. So I want to jump in right away and ask you, like, what do you do? Yeah, so uh, I swing dance is my primary thing, uh, and then I help run Untitled on mm -hmm. Thursday nights. Uh, so I get to see a lot of the intersection between um, the burlesque and circus community as well as swing dancers. Um, but my primary focus right now is uh, running this swing dance community. Uh, so I do swing dance on Monday nights for Fizz Swing Dancing, and then I help run the Balboa community, um, which is uh, just a different style of swing dancing. Yeah, and I actually how? Uh, how so? How different? Yeah, so um, swing dancing. Um, there's many different styles of it. The main one that is most popular right now is Lindy Hop, and that's um, you know, th they do that throughout the world. Um, that was kind of the original one that started in Harlem when um, big band uh, leaders started coming into popularity in the 20s, 30s, primarily 40s. Mm -hmm. um, and then kind of uh, while that was happening in Harlem, there was other dances that were becoming more popular over uh, in California. And so oh, as people right. started to be um, more able to travel and interact with each other, um, they started to be able to influence each other a lot more. So uh, there were some people that came from California, interacted with these dancers in Harlem, and then went back to California and took what they learned in New, New York uh, and made their own dances out of it in California. Um, but they mixed it with all of their like very proper dance forms, like waltz and foxtrot um, and everything else. And... Um, California was also a very different uh, ballroom atmosphere. So uh, in Harlem, they would pack a lot of people in, but there wasn't so many people that you couldn't uh, move away, break away from your partner in the dance. Mm. Where in California, they would just pack Worse. everybody into the bar. So you would get, like, there would be serious repercussions if you'd break away from your partner because <laughs> you would just press up against them. Right. 
Uh, and that's how they would pack as many people in and get as many ticket sales as possible. Uh, so Balboa... So it developed a different style. Right. So it Balboa kind of came style. out of this because people just had to stay pressed together the entire time. Uh, um, and breaking away had like serious repercussions for the dance floor. So so Balboa is, is a close contact Yeah, dancing. for the most part. Uh, the original form of Balboa was all we call it pure balboa which is you're pressed together the entire uh-huh. time um it's all rotational uh but as uh they started bringing in these elements from lindy hop they started doing uh, more things where you break away yeah. they'd call it swing um today we call it bow swing uh which is it's balboa it still has this right. um, rotational aspect right. um and you do transition from pure right. bow to bow swing but you break away a lot more, and there's a lot more turns um, and flashy things um, that that all comes from like twisting and pivoting yeah. of the hips. How how many styles is there now? Well, there's a lot, uh, like dozens. Yeah. So uh, I mean, of the popular ones today, uh, Lindy Hop is always going to be one of the most popular. Um, there's Why? also huh? Why? Uh, it was started well. The guy who popularized it was Frankie Manning, uh, and that started back in like the twenties, thirties, forties. And like when you, when you're at a party and you tell someone that you swing dance, uh-huh. the thing they envision in their head is what Lindy is, Hop is. Is oh, wow. you know the the jumps and right. the like lifts and because um, it's very visual. Yeah, it's so a crowd it, pleaser. Um, right. Y- people see it and they're like, wow, that There's looks There's acrobatics amazing. in it. There's a sort of like performance aspect, right. like bigger performance aspect to it. Yeah. And it um, it's very responsive to the music. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, when you hear the Count Basie Orchestra, like s- with screaming brass and like upbeat and moving, uh-huh. like Lindy Hop has that type of like youthful energy to it. Right. Um, it's very American. Yeah, yes, very much so. You know, when I hear you describe it, it, the picture I have in my French brain is, oh, it's American. Like, there's Mm -hmm. this uh, stress and, like, boom, I'm going to, like, do a firework of performance for you. It has this, um, yeah, it's very American. I don't know how, why, maybe it's a a perfect ID Mm -hmm. or, like, a concept that I have from outside and again it's like probably not true because there's probably like a lot of subtleties and different that's why I was asking like how many different dances there is because I I don't know about that world and we don't really have that culture in Europe of like Mm -hmm. bowl dancing Mm -hmm. it's like when people dance they're gonna do like classical dance jazz dance they're gonna go to dance school and do like modern jazz or whatever they're going to take classes to dance but there there isn't this whole world of like here i hear you can compete you can like do ballroom and like go in competition and Mm -hmm. we we don't have all of that so this so nobody does it basically you know there's no background in the culture for that yeah i think uh You'd actually be very surprised because I think uh, a lot of people in America don't realize that this Lindy Hop swing dancing uh, community exists because huh. they see the um, 
highly competitive ballroom, um, lots of, spend lots of money on lessons, uh, become amazing kind of thing right. where, uh, Frankie Manning and still to this day, like Lindy Hop is very competitive, um, but always going to be based on the social atmosphere. Cool. Um, like Lindy Hopping is what, uh, got people through World War II. Wow. Um, you know, so yeah, you can spend a lot of money to travel around the world and uh, go to lots of events. But even when I walk in any of these events, it doesn't matter if I've been dancing for a week or 10 years. There's still this aspect of community. Uh, and it's yeah, always going to be yeah. focused. And around. that's what you're looking for, it looks like. Right. Yeah, I, I swing dance for the community and for the music. The uh-huh. movement and like interacting with people on the dance floor is always going to be really awesome. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm not in it for the competition. Uh-huh. Um, Why? Uh, it's not what inspires me. Uh-huh. Uh, I do, I do compete, and I do want to get better. Um, but if the competitions all cease to exist tomorrow, I'm not going to stop dancing. Right, 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 um, right. I don't really know anyone in the community that would stop dancing because right. it's the it's music not the priority. And the mer- all right. So what you're saying is that the community you're in and that exists does that primarily for mm-hmm. fun. Right, right. For for to connect and to be with other people and to have fun. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, go uh, going back to your question. Uh, there's Lindy Hop, uh, shag dancing. There's three different types of shag dancing that are really popular: collegiate, Carolina, and St. Louis. Uh, and then Balboa is really growing. Uh, and then for a while, the blues community was uh, there was a lot of crossover between swing dancers and the blues community. Blues? It's, you mean blues like a dance? Yeah, blues dancing. Okay, because when I hear blues, I hear music, the blues, the music. Yeah. So, so did you dance on blues? Uh, yeah, so um, it, it, the separation kind of started to happen pretty recently, actually. Like 2010, they really started to um, really push away and uh, become their own separate dance form. Uh, it used to be that swing dancers were were blues dancers it was yeah right when the music got slow you did blues um and uh especially as we started hearing more chicago blues uh that has this like chunk chunk to it Mm -hmm. rather than um smooth clarinet lines um the the response to music really made the dance form start to look very different amazing man This is so cool. So you're telling me that in 2010, it's still evolving. Because when I hear those styles of music, you just told me that's what helped uh, the American people go through the Second World War. So we're talking about like music that were born in the 20s, in the 30s, in the 40s. And in 2010, it's still evolving. Yeah, so uh, dancing, swing dancing was huge through 20s, 30s, 40s even through like the fifties, like people were still swing dancing. Mm. Um, and then once you started to get into like the sixties, seventies, uh, other styles of dancing started to become more popular and you start, you stopped really seeing swing dancing. Uh, and then right around like, um, the nineties and early two thousands, um, bands like the big bad voodoo daddies, cherry pop and daddies, uh, started to play like, jazz music uh that was sounding kind of pop 
but it was jazz music. Oh. Uh, and so the khakis commercial came out, uh, which had a whole, it featured a bunch of dancers in khaki pants. Uh-huh dancing swing dancing like Frankie Manning did uh-huh. uh, and that like was a big explosion for the swing dance scene and so a few, so a publicity an advertisement yeah really re- like kind of like boosted the movement right uh, man so that's what I love in America people went everything's and, uh, possible searched for some swing dancers that were alive in the 40s uh-huh. uh, to learn from to learn from no and way. that's where Frankie Manning like I forget what job he was doing, but uh, no one knew about him as a swing dancer until some people found out. Uh, there's a video called Hell's a Poppin' uh, that was featured in a movie. And so people went and tried to find every single dancer that was oh in this video. Oh, my God. And he was still alive. He was still alive. And so, uh, you know, some people found him and he started traveling the world just teaching people to dance. No way. Uh, so, you know. So the world found him. Oh, he yeah. He didn't. He didn't change the world, or, or he was just fine on his own, and the yeah. world fa- went to find him. Yeah, he was this really excited amazing. about it. Yeah, no, he I... He was just I, surprised. He was like, where have you guys been for the last, like, 30 yeah. years? <laughs> uh, yeah, so he popularized it in uh, America, and then traveled the world as it grew and grew and grew, and you'll find it in almost every country of the world now, because uh, people just love it, no matter where you go. So it kind of, like, nearly died away, mm-hmm. and then reborn yeah but i think you find that with the majority of things that we go through in life is there's always going to be a cycle like nothing is going to ever die entirely well people tend to think that facebook is never going to go away right but um (laughs) the the community aspect of it there's always going to want to be a need for community and for reaching people across the world that you couldn't talk to in daily life um so no matter what um, thing fulfills that need there's always going to be that desire uh-huh. uh, and it's true that yeah. dancing is a really great way to connect yes with someone sure. you can't talk with right no matter what country i go to or what language they speak i know that we're dancing generally the same dance right there's always going to be differences in swing dancing like if i dance with a korean they dance very different than uh-huh. Someone from Chicago. But there is some rules you can connect right. around, I get, I bet, and so you can dance. Yes, yes, very much And exchange. So. Wow, this is really cool. So you're, how long have you been dancing? Uh, so seriously, uh, since 2008. Um, I started in junior high, so I had some, like, early thing tasters of yeah. it. Um, but my college group was really, really great. Uh, and they kind of exposed me to an entire world of swing dancing. When I started doing some tastings in junior high, it seemed like it was like a small, cool little thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in college, we really started traveling to other scenes and other uh, college, college groups and seeing the excitement of everyone and seeing... Uh, just how large this world was mm. made me very aware of, oh, this is something I could do for a long time. Right. Um, like I can build lots of friendships through this. I can um, travel the, the world and have and meet, friends everywhere. And, yes, 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 yes. So um, you, you really saw the community aspect of oh, it, yeah. like the social aspect yeah, of it. Yeah, that's what sold me on it. Um, I'd been a fan of jazz for a long time. I was a jazz musician all through college. Huh. 
so listening to jazz, but it's true, like dancing to jazz is different. Oh, yes. Yeah, and as a jazz musician, when you're up there on stage and you see people responding uh, musically, like yeah. they're, they're actually listening to what yeah. you're playing, um, makes you want to do that. It's Absolutely. like, oh, like this is, it's like they're playing an instrument, but with their bodies with their rather bodies. than um, with a guitar in their hand. Right, or right. Or, what were you playing, guitar? Bass. Bass? Yeah, yeah. Love holding down that bass line. Yeah, nice, yeah. Nice smooth, it's good. Yeah. I love it, man. Yeah, yeah I... I one of my favorite instrument too. I respond to the bass line a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're blowing my mind actually about this whole community and, and, and world. Because I, I got exposed to it a few years ago. I mean, no, not a few years ago, like 10 years ago. I met uh, someone in my ex-wife's family that was like a ballroom dancer, but comp- competing. And she was she was older. She was like in her 60s, but very passionate, doing that every week, very committed to it. And, okay, I was younger and maybe judgmental, I don't know. But I also saw like, oh, okay, maybe, you know, she's retiring. She doesn't have much to do and that, that's her life. And now she's competing. And maybe the only other aspect that was influenced by or exposed to that was like in Silver Lining Play, whatever this movie was called. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, La La Land. Oh, no, I saw this one. But no, I, um, Silver Lining. Oh, there was with uh, Bradley Cooper yes. and Jennifer Lawrence. Yes. Yeah, they did a competitive dance of some type. You, I forget you, what style you, it was. Yeah. And, and they were... I remember it was funny because they were very happy of their score, which was mediocre. But for them, that was their goal. And everybody was sorry for them, but they were extremely happy. And and so it's I only understood and was exposed to that only from the competitive aspect of it. And I thought, oh, you know, people that does that, they just want to compete and be better than the others. And the fact that you're explaining to me like how you perceive it and how you go about it i understand that actually this is maybe like the tip of the iceberg and actually most people are mostly in it for 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 the fun and yeah it's very inspiring actually because what are we doing for fun nothing anymore you know i feel like Everything needs to be done for a reason. Everything needs to be done for a goal, for a purpose. And just knowing that, no, I'm just going to dance because it's fun. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting you say that. Uh, for me, swing dancing, uh, I feel like when um, a lot of people graduate college, they lose this social um, interaction that they had mm-hmm. with people on a daily basis. And... Uh, they're they're just searching for what's going to be their thing that gets them out and hangs hangs out with people. True. Uh, so for me, like swing dancing was like every single weekend or every Monday night, I'm going to go do this, uh, which is why the event that I run on Monday nights were right next to to DePaul, uh-huh. um, and we find that a lot of college students will come over and they graduate and they still stay with us mm-hmm. because they're just seeking that community aspect that they still 
they still desire. You're right. Um, and it's, it's even, um, it goes beyond just that age range of like people will stay with us through their twenties, thirties, forties. Um, we do notice like as people, um, go through life and different aspects and get married and have kids and, you know, sometimes they'll drop off, but every once in a while they'll come back and experience this Mm -hmm. thing that they did. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there are people who come to Fizz that are 80-something years old. And, this like, awesome. they'll dance one dance in the night with their spouse or maybe someone else that they really trust to treat them well mm-hmm. and dance softly. Um, and then they'll just sit and listen and talk and have a drink. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we, we love seeing the huge age range of people that come out to dance still. Absolutely. This is one thing that struck me uh, being in the States now for a few years is the way I remember is that in, in France, in Europe, um, social interactions are happening all the time. Naturally, uh, maybe, maybe it's the simple, like architecture of the city. The fact that, you know, it's an old city, the streets are not parallel and straight everything is like small and intertwined so wherever you're going there's like public benches everywhere there's little fountains and places of grass everywhere so everybody's just hanging out in the street you know like here it's harder you know you don't want to be like on a big street hanging out you want to be in a cafe or you want to be in a business in in a place but that forces you to pay you you have to pay to get social here in the states uh in france you can't do that but you also have the option to just be sitting in a park and having a glass of wine because you can actually drink wine in the street nobody cares must be nice (laughs) yeah there's this like freedom of like just hanging out so here in the states it needs to be a desire you need to put a little work into i'm going to get social i'm going to meet with a group of people whatever and we're going to it doesn't have to be a lot of money but i'm going to put like five ten bucks so i can get a drink or something Mm -hmm. and then so there's actually i'm realizing that i used to take it for granted you know, like that being social and just being in places where you don't have to spend any money and people are here to hang out. And it, I, I used to take it for granted. It's just normal. It's just something that comes to you that's just happening all the time. Here in the States, you, you, you have to, as you were just explaining, like find your way. You're, you need to find your niche. You need to find your community. You need to find the people you, you, where you can uh, you feel comfortable and also you can create that with. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Yeah, I think uh, especially in Chicago too, there's, for the people that live here, there's so many options for things to do mm-hmm. that at times that can be overwhelming and you end up not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really giving people something that at least for me was an obvious choice of like, there's lots of places that you can go with this. There's lots of people that you can meet with this. Like this one activity is something, especially if you're on the more shy side or don't um, don't feel super confident expressing right. yourself and talking to people. Like 
dancing is one thing that you don't necessarily have to think about uh, something to talk about or be nervous about that. It's you walk out on the dance floor, you have a three minute conversation through dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it goes well, great. And you want to have another one or like go talk to them off the dance floor. Cool. And if not, that's three minutes of too. your life. like That's fine, too. Yeah, totally fine. Um, Although it's not that easy to dance. No, it's not. Uh, in in certain um, so Fizz gives a, ta- a taster lesson every single Monday night. Mm-hmm. By the end of your one-hour lesson, you'll have four moves that you can do with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking from a position where I both lead a, that dance and follow that dance, mm-hmm. I think leads a lot of times get hung up on being boring in the dance. Like they think four moves isn't enough. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say right. something more. Right. Um, and from the follow position, I'm like, no, like, Four moves is great. It's a nice, simple conversation. It's one I can understand. Like, do those four the entire dance, and I'm super happy about yeah, that. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I don't mind repetition, actually. Right. I think you, it can help you get comfortable and know where you're going, and you don't need to impress. Yeah, and there's lots of things I can do as a follow that are different. Even though you're doing the same thing, uh-huh. I can make it look different because I have this wealth of experience. So when you say lead and follow, mm-hmm. explain. Yeah, so the leads in the dance are basically the ones who are shaping um, the lateral movement across the floor. I'm trying to get you from point A to point B. Uh-huh. Um, they're, they're giving the general direction um, and usually some timing as well. Like I would like to get, I'd like to get you from here to here in this amount of time. Right. Um, the follows are responding to that direction and deciding how they want to get there. Okay. Um, sometimes they'll change the timing of it, which is super cool for me as a lead as well. It's like, oh, they're... They're bringing something into the conversation. Right. They have a voice here. They're right. changing this, and now I have to respond to that as well. Mm. Um, so dance very much is this uh, conversation where one person speaks and the other person responds sometimes also changing the conversation direction entirely. Mm-hmm. Very rarely are both people talking on top of each other at the same time. Well, yeah. Uh, it's a very responsive dance. So uh, maybe stupidly, I thought that men were leading and women were following? So traditionally, that's how it's always been. Um, as our culture, especially American culture, but now world culture has started to change, Um, it is open to both genders. This Uh, is awesome. I didn't even know that. As we uh, have gone through a lot of changes in community, uh, we as instructors have responded to that. So no longer do we say men on this side as leads, women on that side as follows. Um, we, We let people choose. We say, here's what the leads position is. Here's what the follows position is. Choose one because there still needs to be some type of communication through the dance. Absolutely. Um, but, but yeah. You at, can mix it up. Yeah. At, Do you enjoy at, mixing it up? Love it. Um, yeah. As, as a man, like I enjoy uh, following just as much as I enjoy leading. They're totally different roles. Yeah. Um, they have pluses and minuses to both of them. I use a very different side of my brain uh, huh. for one versus the other. Um What do you mean? Yeah, they're challenging. Yeah. So as a lead, I'm really thinking 
ahead in the music. I'm really thinking about right. that phrasing and I'm thinking heavily about the people around me. And so it must be safety. useful that you've, you were a musician before. Yes. Because you have a knowledge of like the, the grid, the timing, like all yeah. the... the yeah. Um, you know, I'm really thinking about the planning of things. Um, and as a follow, I'm really thinking about responding to my lead, matching my lead, as well as like what I'm hearing in the music right now uh. Uh, and how I can respond to that moment. Um, keeping my feet underneath me, trying to ensure that I'm staying safe and my partner's staying safe. Um, wow, you know, it is two very different roles. It, it makes me think of like an archetype of like what traditionally the, what a, you know, unit of male, female is, you know, like the male, you traditionally working and like having a goal and like aiming for a goal in life and the woman being at home, you know, home and grounding the home and making sure like the actual daily life is functioning. Mm -hmm. And now we're blowing everything up and mixing it up. Yeah, Maybe not blowing it up because I feel you still need those aspects in life, but just they're not stuck to mm -hmm. you're, you're a woman, you do that. You're a man, you do that. Right. Uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting seeing the um, the the different gender dynamics and how it's affecting the scene. Uh, so, as as an example of this, uh, there's a very common, very popular uh, competition name uh, where uh, you sign up and you have no idea who your partner is going to be. You have mm -hmm. no idea what the song is going to be. Um, wow! It used to be called a Jack and Jill. It's been called a Jack and Jill for years upon years. Um, however, as uh, these different gender roles and uh, dynamics have started to come into the scene more, uh, they didn't want to call it by a typical male name and a typical female name. Mm. Um, so they've changed it over to mix and match uh, so that females feel just as comfortable leading wow. and males feel just as comfortable following. And does um, that happen? Yes. Oh, happens all the time. It must be fascinating. Um, it might be even more interesting to see the role reversed yeah yeah i mean some of the best leads out there today are females mm. um it, it also helps that they've been dancing for a very long time so like as, they're as able to switch yeah. things easily but it is a totally different way of thinking um one of mm. um one of the professional instructors out there are the decavitas um, both of which are women um hmm. but they've been dancing together for a long time and they look amazing out there on the floor very different style than mm -hmm. a lot of other uh, professional couples out there um, but as you start getting better and better as an instructor you'll notice that every single couple they're doing the same dance but they look very different mm -hmm. because they've started to create a different style mm -hmm. um, which is why people will sign up with certain instructors for these lessons mm -hmm. and certain instructors for other lessons mm -hmm. because they like aspects of how that couple dances. This is fascinating. Did you take a, a lot of lessons? Yeah, so I've been taking lessons since 2008. Um, so you never stopped taking lessons? No, yeah, I've been dancing solidly for, oh my gosh, 11 years now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there are weekend workshops uh, that you, from Friday to Sunday night, uh, they'll do lessons during the day and then their dances usually starting around eight o'clock and they'll go till four in the morning. 
Um, yeah. So, you know, in, in the span of Friday to Sunday night, like there's a lot of times that you've only slept like seven hours of wow. that because, and you just dance, you know, you, you sleep for three hours on Friday night, three hours on Saturday night. And the rest of the time you're dancing, you're socializing, you're going out to dinner. Oh, this uh, is awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, is Chicago a good place for that? Yeah. So, uh, Chicago, for a long time had its own exchange uh, called the Greenlight Exchange, I believe. Uh, Sounds like that... sexual. No, it's, it's definitely not. <laughs> uh, it stopped, I believe, in 2005, somewhere around that time, 2010 maybe. Uh, and so Chicago had just like um, every Monday night there was swing dancing or like the second Sunday of every week, every month, there was swing dancing, but we didn't have an exchange. And then uh, I believe it was two years ago, uh, John and Lindsay Holstrom started uh, Second City Swing Out, which is Chicago's uh, own weekend workshop again. Mm. Uh, we're all very excited for that. Um, yeah, there are instructors coming from all around the world from it. Uh, it's kind of Chicago's stamp of like, we're here, we're a awesome swing dance scene. Come hang out with us. Yeah. So you're organizing the stuff on Monday. Yeah, Monday nights. So you you created that? No. Uh, so Fizz has been running since 1999. Um, it's one of the longest running swing dance s- scenes of of a city. Uh, it's yeah, it's one of the longest wow. for sure. Um, yeah. So uh, that started in 1999. It uh, was originally uh, at the Fizz Bar and Grill uh, mm-hmm. up in Lakeview. Uh, and that was our home for a long time. Uh, I was up on the second floor. It was a very long, very narrow room, but uh, they aimed to host local bands as well as traveling bands once a month. Um, Fizz really prides itself on live music and dancers' interaction with live music. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had that, and then uh, it's probably been maybe three years now, two or three years now, since uh, Fizz Bar and Grill shut down. Um, and then Fizz kind of tried out a few different homes, and mm-hmm. now we're located at the Lion's Head Pub. Uh, Is it so, working there? Yeah, we love it. Um, it's it's a bar. Um, it's got a large room with a stage and a beautiful sound system and great lights. Okay. So it's much larger than our original home, which has worked really well for us. There's uh-huh. a lot more room to dance and so hang out. Just, yeah, yeah. And it's still a bar, so people who um, are not familiar with swing or don't know how to swing dance can come and take the lesson and then they can also take take a drink and hang out and watch. And, um, you know, there's no pressure to be out there on the floor if you don't want to. Um, Even some of our most seasoned dancers show up on Monday nights and maybe they had a rough weekend or um, they're injured or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, They still want to be there to hang out, but they don't necessarily want to dance. So they'll grab dinner. Yeah, what I'm hearing is like a lot of freedom. Right. Just to come and do whatever you want. Right. A lot of people, I mean, pretty much everyone in the room, like Monday nights is where a lot of their friends are. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether they're in the mood to dance or not, they just want to hang out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they'll show up to so, And, and do so that. do you have a live band every time? No. So uh, we usually shoot to have a band every three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, 
month-ish. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's once a month. The summer months are way busier. So sometimes right. we'll do it every More week touring. or every other yeah, week. Yeah, it's true that winter here is like pretty harsh. So Right. The winter time we feature a lot of our local bands mm-hmm. uh, who are looking for gigs in their winter time because they're not traveling to mm-hmm. other places. Uh, and there's a great Chicago music scene. So mm-hmm. uh, it's not difficult to fill our winter months with a lot of these local bands that are absolutely incredible. That's awesome. And you're taking care of all that? Yeah, so my main job is uh, contracting with the venue and then entertainment director. So I hire all of our bands and I book all of our DJs. Wow. Is this a nonprofit? Yes. Yeah. None. The uh, organizers do not collect any money off of this. We do it's it because just, we absolutely love it. Yeah. Everybody's just in for the fun. Yeah, we do. Uh, you know, you, you got to reward talent. So, of course, we're going to pay our bands. Um, of, of course, we're going to pay our instructors and our DJs. Um, with the hopes that, you know, they use that money to, you know, live their daily lives and they will come back to us every single year. So um, our DJ team is made up of, I think, six DJs right now. And, um, yeah, they've been with us for a long time. As people move and go on to other things, we'll replace them with a new DJ who comes in. Man, you're blowing my mind away. Come out. It's a, it's a good time. Uh, of course I am going to come out now. Yeah, I mean, I, now it's like I, I had no ID. Um, I love dancing, but I, I don't know any form of dancing. and But I it doesn't stop me. I'll learn the four moves and... <laughs> Yeah, uh, we, we've had quite a few people. It's interesting hearing you say that because uh, there's been a few people from uh, Unbridled that have uh-huh. come out. And um, it's interesting because a lot of uh, people who are in that community are used to dancing by themselves. Uh-huh. So they know their body very well. Uh-huh. And they know where their weight is and where their limbs are in space. Uh-huh. Um, but they're not used to having to lead someone else or respond to somebody else uh-huh. on the dance floor. Uh so it's it's just very interesting seeing someone who's so good with their own body mechanics uh-huh. try to learn how to interact with somebody else. Yeah, they're great at it. They they have an awesome rhythm. They have awesome musicality. Yeah, um, it's just a matter of being able to listen and respond. It looks like this is uh, the the big part of like this type of dancing is like listening and responding mm-hmm. and the communication. Um, it's an interesting point because it's true, like, especially like, uh, Unbridled is like mostly solo performers Mm -hmm. and I myself been, do you say that? I myself was like, it means it sounds like (laughs) me, 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 me. No, but I've been a solo performer my whole life and I, I love uh, performing with others, but it, it it's something different. It's another dynamic. So I understand what you're saying about like being on stage and or on stage or on the dance floor and like listening. I had this experience when I tried to learn tango with my wife. I was like so directive and I was like, no, you're wrong. You're not doing what I'm telling you to do until the instructor told me like, no, like that does not, it's not how it works. Like you, you suggest something and if she doesn't do it, you just follow like, because it is a dance. It's like you, you're not in control of everything here. There's two human beings and, um, 
I uh, learned a lot. I, th- I, th- I think I could learn a lot uh, dancing with other people. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> to listen. we get that a lot, interestingly, with uh, like couples that are going to get married and want to learn how to dance for their wedding is this dynamic of I'm the lead. You have to do what I say. Like, yeah. You didn't do what I say. Therefore, you're in the wrong. Yeah. Uh, and very often, like we have to correct them, not only because. I mean, usually it's a little bit of both people are doing something wrong. Right. Um, But even so, like, there's not this, um, yes, leads lead the movement around the floor, and yes, follows, like, decide how they want to get there and how they're going to, um, you know, express themselves along the way. Mm -hmm. But in that, both people are just as responsible for listening to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, I was talking to one of my uh, dance instructors who had just competed uh, earlier in the night and he was talking to me about his spotlight which is when they come out and compete and um, only one couple is on the floor at a time so everyone's watching this one couple and uh, he was like what'd you think of that of that spotlight like was it decent I was like of course like you're absolutely amazing and he was like yeah I didn't lead anything in that entire spotlight uh. and you go back and you watch the video and it looks like he's leading everything and he's like watch really closely like everything that's happening in that dance she's doing like she's Mm. telling me that she wants to swing out she's telling me that she wants an underarm turn i'm just saying yes to everything and and but it's so close together that you can't see who's where it's coming from right it's it's a secret between two people Uh um even right now i'm on a competition team um that it's a team choreo and the follow that I'm dancing with knows what's coming next. Yes. So if I forget at any moment or another, she can still make it happen with the tone in her body and how she's positioning her shoulders. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh yeah, this turn comes next Mm -hmm. because I can tell by the preparation and yeah. Uh, It's very interesting seeing how much follows can really influence a leader so much so that like they can tell the leader what they want next. Um, there's a really interesting exercise that comes out of um, a lot of workshops where uh, they tell people to dance with a specific mood in mind. So, uh, you know, I'll try to dance like I had a terrible day and I'm sad about something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the follows try to respond to that. You know, so as a follow, you would never want to dance like uh, you just want a million dollars and you're like super excited about that when you're dancing with someone who's clearly down about something. Right. Um, and how that's very much you're, you're trying to meet in the middle and figure out like, okay, what type of day has this person have having? Uh, what line are they listening to in the music? Are they a clarinet person or are they listening to just the bass and just trying to keep the rhythm of it? Wow, um, it's so specific. Yeah, you can you can tell a lot about someone um, just by dancing with them. Uh, it's it's one of the things I love about swing dancing is I may not know the same language as you, but um, we but, can actually very intimately know each other. Right after three minutes of having uh-huh. a dance, or hopefully having another dance after uh-huh. that, being like, "Wow, I feel like I'm learning about you," even though I couldn't tell you your favorite color or your birthday. Right, or, right, or your name. Um, Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but I, I can figure out like what type of person you are and how you walk through life. And uh, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Um, 
working with people in dance and seeing how they can be one way on the dance floor and totally different off the dance floor. Uh-huh. Um, we get a lot of people who are, they work jobs, like engineering is a great one. We get a lot of engineers who come through. And they're not most necessarily the most social people off the dance floor, but on the dance floor, they can be the most energetic, social people ever. Wow. Because it makes sense in their head. Like, dancing does have a lot of mathematical things. True. And angles. Rhythm. And, right. And figuring out, like, how much force is needed to get someone to move across the floor. Uh, so they're really passionate about that, but then they go out the dance floor and they, they go back to their introvert personalities yeah do you think they're more real on the dance floor or outside of the dance floor no i think it's a totally different side of themselves and it's one of the reasons that they love dancing because they can express that side right it's a way that they're like i can't do this when i'm at a bar with a ton of people true but i can do this on the dance floor yeah i can be the social person that i am in my head um Yeah. Or alone under, you know, singing in my shower. Mm-hmm. I can do that in here. Yep. Yep. Freaking amazing. You're telling me about like the understanding of your body and what more precisely than that, the knowledge of your body, but also the knowledge of like where your body's in space, like the limit, the limitation, the limits, and also like the, reach of your body in space and i never thought of it like that i like to as a juggler i like to i have a very good understanding of space because i'm catching object all the time so i see them go and i know exactly where they're going to come back in space so i know where to position my my hands my body And sometimes when I'm in a space long enough, I like to close my eyes and like find the wall, find the table, find my glass, my eyes closed, because I feel that after a while, I just know where things are. And because I know so well my body and how to catch things around, I, I can't do that. So I remembered doing this exercise as a, as a kid, as a teenager, like just or in, even in the street, like walking in the street and like seeing the end of the road and s- closing my eyes and walking like f- 10 steps, my eyes closed, think, trying to go straight because every time like I was going on one direction, you know, like it's hard to go straight, your eyes closed and stuff like that. So I was, I, I liked that a lot, like when I was a kid and growing up and being a juggler, like experiencing with that. But I never realized like, uh, I mean, most people don't do that. And actually most people don't, don't have this uh, understanding and control of their body. And you pointed out really well the other day where you were like, well, duh, like this is something that you control and that you, you look people around you and sometimes you're surprised at like how disconnected they might be. Mm-hmm. To their bodies yeah it's uh it's very interesting working with people who are coming in to dance for the first time of you know when i'm standing there and, and i close my eyes i i know where my left foot is on the floor <laughs> um you know if i reach my right arm straight out like i have a general idea of how far it's actually sticking out from my body right 
Um, and if there's someone sitting next to me, like, am I going to hit that person mm-hmm. or not? Um, a lot of people don't have that idea. Yeah. Um, and while, while that's common sense to a lot of dancers already, like working with new people, you really have to teach them that. Of, oh, you, you know, need to be if, aware where they're at. Right, of how far your limbs actually extend from your body and, you know, where where is your left yeah, hand so you in don't slap. space right now? Like, is it straight out? Is it above your head? And like, wow. Um, you know, you really have to be thoughtful about that as a dancer. Um, one of the things that I've been working on uh, once I start getting into more competing aspects is videotaping yourself uh-huh. and seeing exactly what your lines look like. Yeah. Um, the difference in what you think you look like yeah. versus what you actually look like is huge. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so that's one of the things we tell our beginners a lot is, you know, they ask, how do you get better? And I'm like, just videotape yourself. Right. Just watch yourself dance. And you're going to see everywhere right. you want to change. Once you see what the judges are seeing, you'll get it. Yeah. And you'll start working to change a lot of these yeah. things. Yeah, rhythm is always going to be something to work on. And, yeah. you know, new cool moves are is, are always going to be cool. Yeah. But um, the reason you may not be doing as well as you want to be doing is you just have to be able to visualize what you actually look like. Yeah. This is fascinating. This I, I've been through the same process with creating an act for juggling. It's the same thing. You're videotaping and you're like, oh shit, that's that's what I look like. That's what I just did. Huh. I, I was really hoping another I was feeling another reality because that's what it is. Like when you're doing it, you're feeling it. And when you're watching, uh, the screen kind of like removes the feeling and only shows the lines and the aesthetic. And then if you're not very uh, specific with your aesthetic, then there's nothing left. But during that process, I also was very hard on myself at first watching me because you don't get the emotion. You don't get the intensity of like you dancing live and the feeling. You just see the, the, this image of you. I re- it took me a while to realize that and to be like, oh, no, actually, when I'm performing live, it is better mm-hmm. than the video. It's always better to see it live than to see a video, even if the lines are great, even if the rhythm is great, even if everything's perfect, it is still going to be better in real life because there's a human connection that's happening. You're like receptive to the emotion. You're receptive to the energy that the performer is, is giving and and there's an ex- there's a, an exchange happening in 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 present time like in that moment there's an exchange of emotion of energy between the the, the performer and and the, uh, the audience you know so you always I mean I had to remember that when I was criticizing myself on video trying to make myself better because there, there's only a level you can reach and at one point. You need to trust that you're going to be better. Mm-hmm. It is going to be stronger because you're live, because it's live. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's um, it's also very different for you because you're very much interacting with the audience. Mm-hmm. Where for me, I'm very much interacting with a partner. True. Um, so in a lot of these classes, uh, the, the teacher will be up there teaching something, but you're also working with your partner of being... Uh, very real about like how does that actually feel 
do I need to add more tone? Um, do you need more force or less force? It's almost uh, always less force. Yeah. Almost yeah, always. Yeah. Um, you know, move more of your core rather than your arms. Like those kinds of conversations, um, your partner can very much act as the videotape for you at times yes. and, and help you with things. If you're able to listen. Right. Um, the hope is that you take what your partner is saying. You don't take it personal. You're actually... Right. And some people are great at that and some people are not. I know. I'm bad at that, man. I it's, take everything personal. Yeah. See, I'm the, I'm the opposite. Like I uh-huh. tell my partners and I tell my instructors all the time, like, I don't want to hear anything good about right. my dancing from Just, you. Like I want to hear only the worst things. Uh-huh. So uh, I can get better. Right. And uh, I have to remember that as an instructor... Not, not everybody is like this. So yeah. I have to be very um, positive to them as well as asking them to try some other different right. things. Uh, yeah, people learn very differently. Yeah, that's interesting. Did you make a lot of mistakes before you got this point? Uh, Did well, you yeah, upset I mean, a lot I'm, of people? <laughs> oh, as an instructor, yeah. like, talking to people? Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I consider myself someone that is very observant and I can usually tell, uh-huh. um, you know, am, am I hurting this person's feelings? Right. Um, do they need more encouragement? Right. Uh, but I definitely, you know, ha- have been a little bit too hard on some people right. and, uh, kind How of realized it. R- ruffle the, some feathers. Right. You kind of realize that at the end of the lesson, like, Oh, like I've been pretty <laughs> tough on this person. Like <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> I should, I should end this lesson with some encouragement. Right. Yeah. yeah. Me, I, I don't want the anger. I mean, it is nice to be told, like, you did really well or right. this feels good. But yes. For the most no, part. No, but you improve. You improve. Right. And you, you're, I mean, I'm that way, too, in a sense that I'm very competitive with myself. Mm-hmm. The idea, I mean, I don't think you get good by being complacent with yourself. You get better by being hard on yourself and wanting to be better because you can see that you're not as good as you can be and so you want to progress. Uh, I mean, I, I guess there's a balance maybe to be found here, you know, because if you're only like hammering yourself, like that, I did that a lot, you know, like only hammering myself, like not good enough, keep pushing, 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 but then at one point the body breaks or the body is like, okay, I, I also need a little love here, you know? Yeah, yeah. I th- <laughs> so if you can find the balances... <laughs> Yeah, I think um, there. that's why there's a nice balance to taking lots of lessons and practicing a lot yourself and going to social dance. And dancing and, for fun. Right, and just, you know, there's a reason that the workshops are lessons all day and then social dancing at night. Right. Because people will hammer themselves all day and try to get better. And then and when you go to the social dance loose. floor, it's common etiquette and at times there are rules written for people that are like, you do not teach on the social dance floor. Right. Um, you don't offer any type of tips and tips or support or anything you just other than have fun. that was a fun dance. Uh, yeah, but when you see like lessons happening off the dance floor, you're like, oh, just like just go enjoy the night. Yes. Like worry about getting better tomorrow. Uh, this right. is very smart. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that, man. Especially when there's a live band on stage, like you only get live bands every once in a while. So yeah, and for enjoy like. It two hours or you know they're not going to play six hours i you know because it's it's a big deal to play and put your energy into playing music so how long is it actually yeah it's like two hours like so monday nights uh three hours the dance is always three hours the lesson is one hour 
Um, for so a lot the of, band is going to be playing three hours. Yeah, so they'll they'll do breaks in between. Right. That. They do you know three different sets. Three sets of forty five minutes or yep. something. Yep. That's so that awesome. they can go to the bar and have a yeah, drink. Yeah, yeah, and and, ch- and chill a little bit. Yeah, this is so smart because I'm realizing. Um, obviously, I'm not comparing, but like I'm seeing what you're describing through my eyes, and what I know is juggling and like training by myself getting better and in a way the the fun aspect was the performance when i actually go on stage and perform but then there's a lot of there's a lot at stake because I'm, i'm not just having fun I'm, i'm actually trying to be good uh, trying not to drop trying to go through my routine the proper way trying to I, I would like challenge myself also on stage. That that was my philosophy. Like I challenge myself when I'm training, so I want to get better. So of of course I'm going to try to throw one more ball in the air. I'm going to try to do this trick 30 seconds longer. I'm going to try to do everything more and better. But then as soon as I was kind of mastering something in my training, I would put it on stage. So I was always put stuff on stage too soon. You know, like I don't quite master it completely. I own it like maybe 75% of the time. So there's like a 25% chance that I'm going to drop. And because it's on stage, it's maybe more like 50-50 because of the, the stress of being on stage and the relationship with the audience and everything. But then I would still do it to challenge myself. So even the performance aspect when I'm actually on stage was still very stressful and like a lot so i'm realizing I, in my training in my career i didn't have like fun mm. it was always like a challenging get better thing yeah, yeah. I, i think that's for me one of the reasons that uh i'm very picky about who i choose to practice with uh-huh. and does this person bring things to the table that they want to learn um d- can this person be positive while also challenging real. themselves yeah. while, while also telling me exactly what they need and um, trying to make me a better dancer um, it, it's interesting hearing you talk about like um, the percentage of the time you succeed in something and at what point that percentage is high enough to actually go try it on stage because uh, for a competition a lot of times you don't know who your partner is going to be mm. so when I'm social dancing I'm like oh like I'm nailing this 75% of the time But when you don't know who your partner is going to be, it could be that one partner you don't get it with. Yeah. And, and you have to like kind of weigh those pros and cons of taking that risk of like, I feel like I'm nailing this a lot. I feel like I'm leading it right. If this doesn't go well, how am I going to recover from it? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it worth it to take Do that you risk? make those decisions while you're dancing, evaluating your partner or before you go on stage? Both. Uh-huh. There are definitely times that I'm staying there with my partner and I'm like, hey, uh, you know, the music's playing. There's right. another couple out there on the floor. And I'll look at them and I'll be like, I'm going to try this. Like, we've done this before on the dance right. floor. Like, just a heads up, this is coming in the next eight counts. Right. Um, I have seen couples go out there on the floor and, like, they'll be in a position and you can watch it back on the video later Well, where they tell each other. Uh-huh. They'll vocally tell each other and hope that no one out in the audience is going to catch it when you've been dancing. With does it happen? Enough, it does. Um, in particular, it happens with anything that's a lift or a, yeah. where someone's feet are coming off the right. floor. 
usually they'll be like, this is the one I'm about to do. Be prepared to engage these muscles. Are you not supposed to? No, you can. Um, It just looks a little funny. Right. When you see it happen. Right. Uh, You totally get it. You know, uh, anything that's a lift is uh, naturally can be a dangerous thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's good for both partners to be exactly on the same page about it. Uh, So basically, the more you're dancing with a partner, the more you know them, oh, the yeah. more they know you, and oh, yeah. the more it's easy and you can do those things. Yeah, it's also can be frustrating dancing right. with the same person for so long because maybe you want to try something new, but they you're kind of stuck in their old ways. Yeah, they know your tells right. already. So when you do this, they know that this is going to happen. Right. Um, so you dancing, like the surprise? It's, it's harder to surprise them. Uh-huh. Um, because they just know when he does this move, he's probably going to do this one right, next. Right, right, right. Uh, which is, you know, one of the good things about the swing dance community in dancing with lots of different people. Because yeah. you really put your skills to the test of, am I actually leading this? Or does this person just or know what's coming just, next? Oh, an yeah. automation, like, we just do that. Right. Yeah. Huh. So there is... I mean, the way we're talking about it makes me think, okay, there is amazing leaders that are able to like lead anyone and like be so clear and specific in their intentions and what's what's happening that just it's so easy to lead. But then is there amazing followers? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That, that that can make any leader look amazing. Look amazing, <laughs> even if it's their so. There's first both. Day. Oh uh. yeah, yeah. No, because um, we're focused on leaders a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's been one of the pushes for a long time now of teaching classes to the followers as much as to the leaders. Following is an incredibly difficult skill. Mm. Um, being able to do it well and engage the right muscles and know where your body is in space and keep your feet underneath you so you don't fall. Right, right. Um, and look good. Keep, yeah. Keep looking and great. Yeah. Like one of the things for me that's always challenging is being able to reconnect with a partner smoothly and make, uh, you know, like not get caught in like this chicken wing uh position right as a leader like reconnects to hold me again um you know watching some of the great people like the rhythms they can throw under their feet uh-huh. um and in the moment like reacting exactly to what their partner has led them and still they're like adding their own flair underneath it it's just like at it's craziness to be able to see what people are capable of um yeah real really good follows are unbelievable and super super talented people Man, it's blowing my mind because like leads and follows and it's like kind of like, you know, I'm making this parallel with like in the world, like we're only focused on like leaders, you know, like people who lead, who, who, who create companies and like our leaders or like CEOs or whatever you call them. And then, oh, you're just a follower you know and it's like well yes you need the lead but you don't if you don't have the follow you're alone like what are you going to do yeah you know like it is complementary you need both and it's very it's deep i think to value both as much Mm -hmm. yeah it's also interesting seeing how 
some of the best leaders out there are some of the best leaders because they learned how to follow. Yeah. They learned how it actually feels to lead this type of movement mm. um, or to lead these rhythm changes. It's one of the reasons I started following is because I wanted to understand how it felt right. to actually be moved around the floor right. and how to respond to someone and how to say no to someone when I get put in a position that like I'm not feeling in that right. moment. Um, one of the big things that happens, especially for newbies on the dance floor, is uh, dips are a really big thing. Anything where the lead um, takes the follow off of her own axis of balance. Uh-huh. Um, and a lot of follows aren't comfortable with that. They uh-huh. don't trust that the lead is able to right. hold them. The balance, the, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, learning how to feel that coming and how to say, no, I don't feel comfortable with that movement. I like being balanced and on my feet and being right, in control. responsible for my own self. And, uh, but do you, you know? dip sometime? Oh yeah. Um, when you feel comfortable as, as a lead or as a follow, no, as a both? follow. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy being dipped. Uh-huh. Um, honestly, you don't really see it much on the dance floor anymore. Um, like people don't really end a song. It's not super popular to end songs like that anymore. Back in oh, when can, I you, can you put it in, in a song during a song? Or? Sure. Yeah. If you hear uh, like a, a long trumpet blast or something and you want to like, you know, yeah. Make a yeah, pause on it, it or something. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be that you ended every song with that. Right, right. Because uh, this is the perfect picture I have in my mind of like, you know, the end of the song and boom, the women is like, yeah. you know, in the arm of the man. And it's like this classic thing. Maybe it's also like a reaction to like the classicism. Yeah, I think it's also um, a lot of dance floors. Well, almost all dance floors nowadays don't allow air steps or anything that like takes someone off of their axis. So oh. like they don't allow you to throw a follow through the air or oh why um, because jump. Uh, uh, usually for safety reasons safety reasons um, liability yeah liability things of like you know Man. it's scary for a follow to be thrown through the air especially if they're not ready for it um, yeah. especially if they don't know their own body mechanics and how to like land yes well. yes yes um, that that's very true so but think, America could like relax a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's okay. So I think it's and those... stop fucking suing everybody every yeah. time a little shit happen. Like just fucking relax for a second. I think as those kind of grew out of popularity, so did a lot of dipping. So no. because why? Because you dip and you drop and then yeah. <laughs> you also yeah. get hurt. Like, you know, I don't like the dance was wonderful. I don't know. I don't need to be dipped okay. to like I don't know, show off that final moment. Uh, for the most part, That's you have the dance, and That's then you usually give your partner a hug or a handshake or a high five. And, uh-huh. You know, that's the end of that dance. Uh, you'll probably catch them later in the night, assuming it was a good one. Yeah. If it wasn't, you'll find then someone you else. Just move on. Right. It's very rare that I have bad dances nowadays. Well, because you're good at it, and so as you're saying, if you're a good lead or a good follow then you can dance with like all levels and it's going to probably work. Yeah, I think people regardless, I mean, even if you've only been dancing for a day, you may feel like it was a bad dance because you felt bored with the dance. Mm. You're like, oh, I let that partner down. I only did my four moves. Mm. Um, And I think it takes a little bit of time to realize like that's enough. That's adequate. Like you, you can, you can, you should be able to have a great dance 
and just enjoy moving and enjoy like hanging out with a partner. Especially in the early days, like I would have conversations in the middle of the dance because mm-hmm. I only knew four moves. So I'm like, I may as well like ask this person their name mm-hmm. and ask them where they're from and how long they've been dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to remind leads a lot, like it, that's okay to know your four moves and just and do, do those on repeat. Follows love that. At least I love that as a follow. You know what it it makes me think of dancing for yourself or dancing for an audience because mm. if you're only doing four moves obviously you're dancing for yourself you need to have fun and maybe the people who's like who are um not happy with those four moves are too much focused on like what the dance look like from outside and yes it's probably boring from outside to look at a couple doing for three minutes the same thing but from within for themselves i agree with you it's a feeling so you can be doing the same moves or i mean that's what i do in juggling i do the same move i i've been doing i mean juggling is different because there is an infinite um repertoire of movement in juggling because there's so many balls and so many objects and so many Uh, different combination it's infinite but I had to choose because I cannot become good at everything I have to choose so I chose a limited amount of tricks that I decided for myself the one I preferred like visually and and also the feeling of it and and then I repeated those for 25 years so I've been repeating the same thing, even though it's quite a lot, because to go through my entire range of tricks, I probably need like a good four hours, but I can in one day go through my entire repertoire. So doing that every day for 25 years, I like repeating the same things. You know, so yes, I can pick and choose when I do a performance of five minutes, and so there is a lot of variety, but the the... The truth is, like, I'm just repeating the same thing over and over again. It's a, And it's okay because the feeling is great. Because that's what I'm focusing on. It's like my feeling. Like, how do I feel doing it? Um, how am I connected with myself doing it? That's why I understand what you're saying. Like, you, four moves is great. If you're in the moment, if you're enjoying yourself, and you're connecting with your partner, that you don't, you don't need more. Yeah, I think one of the most inspiring things for me as a younger dancer, <clears throat> I took a class with someone and he was like, watch me at the social dance tonight and count how many times I do a different move. Right. So if I do an inside turn, only count that one time. Uh-huh. And I'd watch him dance. And he did <clears throat> four moves over and over. Uh-huh. He did them differently. Right. He did them at different timing um, or he did them a different direction, but it was still the same movement. The same, yeah. And that was it. Like he had his four moves yeah. and he did them great. And the partner felt super comfortable. They, they got comfortable with how they were going to move across the floor. It was led well. Um, the reason he was a professional is because he did it better than anybody else. Right. Um, so when I dance, you know, at Fizz on Monday nights, uh, yeah, I, I have four moves. Yeah. And maybe like one flashy one yeah. somewhere in the middle to like, I don't know, have, have something like different and surprising. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But like for the most part, I do these same things yeah. over and over a little bit differently. Sure. Um, 
but like many of the fellows that I dance with learn my dance style because they know like Brennan loves these things. Uh-huh. Um, there's, there's ways that you can create like an inside joke at the very beginning of a dance mm-hmm. and then do callbacks of that, Ooh. of that thing. Uh, so I was in a competition recently where we were dancing and maybe 10 seconds into the dance, the follow added a shimmy with her shoulders, which is not a normal thing to do, uh-huh. but like adding that, I was like, Oh, that's now going to be our joke, right? For the next minute and a half, right? So, like every moment we had, we would add a shimmy uh-huh. at the end, which was like everyone else can see it. They're like these two are just goofing off. They're uh-huh. having a great time. Uh-huh. Um, same same thing. Like you'll you'll be having other dances where like you'll add a very specific rhythm, uh-huh. um, and you hope and that you call follow. it back, right? Yeah. You call it back a few times throughout the yeah. dance, and it becomes your nice like private joke throughout that dance. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I love dancing with follows that can add something cool to be like, oh, I'm going to play off that. And that are responsive, that are, mm-hmm. that are catching it, I guess. Yes, yeah. Because it needs to be subtle to be uh, an inside joke or something fun, but then you need someone who can see it and, and yeah. catch it. it. Yeah, it's hard to add an inside joke that's very, it's a complicated rhythm. Right. It's like, oh man, I'm trying to respond in the moment. Yeah. And that was... That was a long rhythm right, that you just right, added. I can't. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't follow that. But maybe I'll try to simplify your rhythm a little bit and hope that you like will catch on to the fact that I'm simplifying your rhythm. Are you, are you able to appreciate more the dance as better you get? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you know the thing of like, the better you get at something, the more you realize how bad you are at it. Right. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. very much the same thing in swing dancing. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you start at the beginning, you t- think you're terrible, and you dance for a year, and you think you're amazing. And you're like, Absolutely oh, shit, incredible. I, yeah, I, I know am, my shit. I, yeah. I'm the king of swing dancing. Right. right. Uh, and then you start traveling to more events and seeing other people who are miles upon miles better than you. And then, and, yeah. Yeah, and you start taking lessons and being like, oh, I can't do that, and I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, you, you start appreciating appreciating different things in the dance uh-huh. and also realizing how far you have to go. Yeah. Um, that you're never going to be the king of swing dancing. <laughs> do you appreciate other styles of dance? Like, do you appreciate, like, classical dancing? Do you go to ballet sometimes or modern jazz or something? I don't know. Yeah, so every once in a while there will be a swing dance thing that gets mixed with another competition that's maybe, uh, you know, like it will be in a hotel and there will be a waltz competition in uh, another room Mm -hmm. Um, and we'll just like peek our heads in and watch, um, you know, or I'll go to a ballet or Mm -hmm. something else. And yeah, I definitely have an appreciation for it that I didn't before swing dancing. Unbridled is one of the great examples Mm -hmm. is as I watch people go out there and dance mm-hmm. um, or juggle or whatever I find myself cheering at things that other people don't cheer at absolutely because I'm like that was incredibly yeah. difficult yeah uh, it may not be the crowd pleaser moment but man I know that that person had to practice f- for a long time yes to, to get that yes yes yes, yes. Uh, which is also the thing when I watch swing dance competitions yeah. is the crowd pleasing moments are not things that I find incredibly mm-hmm. difficult but there are moments that I'm like, that rhythm was amazing, and no one else in this room saw it. Right. But because I'm a dancer, I you, saw it. You saw it, yeah. Um, that's why Balboa is not really a 
crowd-pleasing dance. Uh-huh. Uh, like if I showed someone who's a non-dancer a Balboa dance versus a Lindy Hop dance, they're going right. to love the Lindy Hop dance. Right. It's it's meant to be shown to, to people. Yeah. Balboa is uh, very much a secret being told between people, especially pure, pure Balboa. Uh-huh. Um, as swing gets mixed in, it gets a little more flashy and it looks a little bit more amazing. Um, but Balboa is... You know, a four-minute hug or a three-minute hug, and it's nice. Man, that's awesome. I love it. I'm gonna come out. Good. I want to yeah, teach wanna... you some basic swing dancing. Uh, yes, yes, please. And I love the music too, the swing music, jazz, or all. I mean, I love that. Yeah, it's back when musicians actually played real instruments. Yeah verse today that I'm like, you're not even playing the guitar. No, I know. They're pressing a button and then the whole track is just going on. My brother is a musician and he's mixing both. So he's a piano player, but he's doing electronic music Mm -hmm. and he has a band with his, uh, his buddy and he's playing the guitar bass, the bass um, and the bass and they're actually performing on stage. So they have all the aspect of like pressing a button and having a, you know, part of the track going on because there's like a lot of electronic stuff happening. But at this, they're actually playing the bass and the piano. Mm-hmm. And uh, my brother plays the piano with like a tube in his mouth where he's like, you know, sending air and, and, and then doing the piano. And so he's, I don't know the name of this instrument, but it's like this funky instrument. Yeah. And so I saw them perform live a bunch of times in Paris and different places. And it, it really fires the audience because they're actually playing, mm-hmm. you know, something's happening versus, um, another group that just they're like cheering and they're happy but they're pressing a button and then they're like yay and dancing along and it's like okay that's cool but actually i agree having musician playing is so much different yeah especially because it's live in the moment yeah so it's going to sound different than any track you've ever heard before yeah it's one of the reasons we love having live bands out because yes i've heard splanky a hundred times right but the way you're playing it tonight feels a little bit different is going to be responding to the dancers on the floor. You're responding to the room, yeah. um, to maybe the new drummer that you have right, right. now. So and maybe you make a mistake. Right. And that's like, making it special. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. You brought up mistakes too. One of our favorite things that we love to do that I know jazz musicians do as well is, um, having your partner purposely try to mess you up, uh. purposely make a mistake just to challenge you and how you're going to respond to it. A lot of times in competitions, when you don't know who your partner is going to be, you don't know the music, someone will mess up, and, so and you have to respond uh-huh. and try to make it look like that wasn't a mistake. That was planned. Exactly. Uh, and a lot of people are really, really good at it. If you watch video really closely, you can see like the moment where someone slipped or someone like turned their hips the wrong way, um, which like wasn't necessarily the wrong way. It just wasn't the way that the partnership was anticipated. Right. Uh, and how they can react to that the same way jazz musicians do when someone misses the key change or, I don't know, is is off rhythm just a little bit. And then they like, play with it. Right. How to like get that person back into sync with the rest of the band. 
I love that, man. We have we're so fixated on mistakes and like being perfect. Yeah. I mean, I am. I don't know if the whole world is. I have the feeling the world worry the whole world is, but because probably because I am fixated on that and I'm like in a big um moment in my life where I'm trying to like let it go and just be in the moment and be okay with the mistake and just whatever happens. Yeah. And and how to learn and from it. And being the flow. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think so often like uh we we think of mistakes as a bad thing. Uh-huh. Uh and especially in swing dancing like we don't think of mistakes as a bad thing. We think of it as a different way of doing something, not necessarily anticipated, um but like an opportunity to grow from that moment. Yeah. So, so it's, it's an improv. Right. Like the the mistake is the improvisation part of the dance. Yeah, it, in in major competitions when two people are dancing together that don't know each other. Uh-huh. The reason that that competition is so popular is because they don't know each other and right. they don't know the song. Uh, so someone will take a risk and go for something and maybe someone won't respond to it the exact way. And maybe that's because like it wasn't communicated well or maybe because they were hearing something in the music. And like that moment becomes the most incredible moment of the competition. Right. And when people watch it back on YouTube, they'll watch that five-second clip a hundred times. Right. And they'll go out and they'll practice with their partner and they'll be like, this was a mistake. It was clearly a mistake. But, but it, something amazing came out of it. Yes. Let's let's try to recreate this mistake again and again and again. Oh my God, this is such like a life lesson. A lesson for life. <laughs> Relishing your mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I, I say that all the time, like my best performances were always the one where I did at least one mistake because mm-hmm. it brought on stage humanity. Yeah. It brought an aspect of me that I can, I don't hide and this is my vulnerability and I failed, but I'm not going to give up and I'm going to keep going and I'm going to succeed on top after a mistake. People like love that. It's even stronger than just being perfect all the way right because they knew you weren't playing it safe yeah they knew you were actually risking something, P- putting myself something. on the line and going all the way yeah yeah that's true so it's it took me a while because I, i've i was always focused on like executing my my performance and my routine perfectly and i got there But then I told you, like, I was always pushing to... I, I never, like, stopped putting more complicated tricks in my routine. So as long as I got, like, comfortable with the routine, I would, like, boom, okay, that's it. I, I'm putting m- more complicated stuff. So I, I was always in a place of, like, taking a risk. But sometimes I did, like, do my routine perfectly. And I realized after, like, many, many shows because of the feedback of the audience, like it was always a notch stronger when I made a mistake. Always stronger reaction, always stronger. And it's funny because for me, I got out of stage and I did my show perfectly and I'm like, whoa, I was amazing today. It was like perfect. Mm-hmm. But if I'm honest, it was when I get out on stage and I was like, oh, wow, it was hard today. Like I... This trick, I couldn't do it, but li- listen to the audience. They loved it better than ever. And that's where I was like, oh, 
doesn't matter to be perfect. What matters is like to be real, to be authentic and to show that, yeah, people seeing that you're going all the way. Yeah. Yeah, that you're actually trying and that you're taking risks for yourself. Yeah. 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 People are very forgiving. For sure. Cheering. Like they, they, they enjoy that and, and they reward that with like, wow, that was amazing. We could see that. We could see your vulnerability and we could see that you did it despite of, you know, all the challenges we have. Yeah, and that they want you to do well. Like yeah. even when you mess up, they're not judging you for that mistake. They're like, no, pick up that ball or, or get your feet back underneath yeah. you. Like, get up from the floor. Like I'm I'm here watching you because I want you to do well. Right. It's not like, ah, oh, I'm writing this person off. Like, yeah. They're no longer as good as so-and-so in my book. Um, partnership is very much like that in dancing. But don't you ever feel when you're competing that you need to be good? Yeah, I mean, for sure you want to go out there and be the best you can be. Um, but when I'm competing, I don't feel like people are waiting for me to fail. Right. They're wanting, they're cheering for me to be great. So even if I do fall in my dance, like they're praying that I get up and keep going. Right. It's not like they're wanting me to get off the stage and right. for the next couple to come out. Um you know, you want to be great. So you feel supported by the audience. Oh, absolutely. You don't, you're not afraid of the audience. Yeah, no, not at all. Because the, the community wants you to do well. Um, you know, they would love to be up there with you. Everyone's aspiring to be in that position. Um, they're not, there definitely are some people who are like jealous of your position, but not to the point where they're not cheering for you anymore. Mm. Uh, you know, you, you always want to see the people who are up there who you know are nervous, you, you know they're like freaking out in their head about how good they're about to be or what move they're trying to pull off. You want them to like really go for it and do well and walk off the stage feeling good. Man, that's so cool. That's such a change. Yeah. Then, you know, like pure competition, just being the best and crushing everybody else. Like actually sharing. Yeah. <laughs> and having a sense of like, you know, being part of a community and like giving and receiving and not just being there to like crush everyone else. Yeah, you'll see it even in competitions. You you have all the competitors lined up usually on the um, front of the stage so you can see their reactions to the people who are competing right mm -hmm. now. And they're loving it. They're loving every single thing that the person out there is doing. They're cheering for them just right. as hard as the audience is. Right. Uh, you know, they may be talking to their partner like, okay, this person has done this move. We have to try to counteract that with right. something else. But it's playful. There, there's always playfulness. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very At least that's how you experience it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's, how you, that's I've your always, reality. That's, that's why you do that. Right. Yeah. So. It's always supportive and playful. And um, it's interesting watching. Uh, Certain couples go out, in every competition, there's a, a certain structure of that competition. There's certain rules, like you have to do Lindy Hop or you have to do Balboa. Uh, and there are certain couples that use the spotlight that they know is going to be broadcast to the world to project a certain message uh -huh. to the world. Um, so like sometimes they're like, you know what, I really want to do this move or I really want to like 
go out there and show like this competition is too serious. All the, uh. all these people out here are like killing it, being awesome. Let's go out there and just be silly, delight in the mood. I don't care if I win. I don't care if I lose. I'm gonna go out there and just do this. And so you'll see them. They'll come out and they'll they'll do something that like. It changes the way the entire community is viewing this wow. competition. Um, and people will talk about that couple for yes. the next year. Uh, be like, yeah, that moment was awesome because they realized... They like made a statement. Yes. It was about the statement. It wasn't about the competition. Right. It was they had something to say and they came out and said it. And yeah, they And the message or, went through. Right. No matter what. Yep. Yeah, there are certain couples that will like come up with some type of new movement, and because we're in the era of YouTube, like that Spreads. moment and that move will become the new thing that people do for the next year or however long. And it'll be like callbacks and competitions. Wow! Like, yeah, remember this time that Peter and Naomi did this? Uh-huh. We're gonna do this, but we're gonna do it better in the next competition. Right, right. And everyone will know that it was a callback to that. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, no problem. I, Glad to be here. Do you want to tell me again uh, the name of the place? For sure. Yeah, so Monday nights we're at Fizz Swing Dancing. Where I, is it? Uh, it's in Link, uh, It's Lincoln and Fullerton. Okay. Uh, up in Lakeview, Lincoln Park area. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find us at fizzswingdance.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Fizz Swing Dancing. Uh, every Monday night, uh, eight o'clock is a lesson. Nine o'clock is dancing, whether it's DJed or band nights. Um, is there a fee? Uh, yeah. So on band nights, it's seven dollars for general admission, five dollars for students, and on band nights, it's ten dollars for general admission, seven dollars for students. Awesome. Um, that gets you the lesson as well as the dancing. Awesome. Yeah, uh, and then the Balboa community. You can find us on Facebook at Chicago Balboa Underground. Brand. Thanks so much. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. This is It's been a good amazing. combo. Yeah. I love it, man. All right. That was pretty cool. I really enjoyed having Brennan on the show. I want to just do the check out here with you guys. Um, if you find this podcast valuable, you can support it in many ways. You can review it wherever you listen to it. You can share it on social media with your friends. Or you can support it directly by purchasing juggling props on playjuggling.com. And you need to enter a promo code. And I think it's like DWG. I need to double check. I need, I'm need. i going to put that in a show note. Uh, you need to put a promo code in so you get 10% off uh, everything you buy. I think it's 10% off. I don't know. I'm not very organized. I just know it's going to be great if you do that um thanks for listening to the show the sorry thanks for listening to the show and remember failure is an essential part of juggling but failing is not the problem the problem is not learning from your failures so get out there and juggle fail learn repeat (laughs) 